Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? There is a curse that haunts the men in my family. A monster under the bed that seems to come for each of us. And that curse, that monster, is called anxiety. And anxiety is just another word for fear. A lack of control. A lack of understanding. And up to 2019... I was able to put off the monster. I was able to navigate the world without having to acknowledge he exists. And then 2020 happened, and I couldn't put it off anymore. I couldn't ignore the monster under the bed because it was my turn, my time, to grapple with it. And over the next four episodes, the next four weeks... I go into my journey making peace with the monster under the bed. Chapter 1 Let's talk about anxiety. Original air date 27 November 2020. Good morning. My name's Derwin, and this is episode 26 of The Blanket Fortress of Solitude, and I am so glad you're with us today, because today uh, I would like to talk about anxiety, because episode 26 was actually supposed to be different. It was supposed to be an interview, and the people I had lined up this week to interview were lovely people, old friends. They're the best people I know. But I couldn't interview them. And that is because of anxiety. And I'll explain. Much like the rest of the world, I've probably been running off of anxiety and a big dose of fear since about March. And you can only do that for so long. And I tell people that this year feels like my second deployment but what I think I forgot was just how scared I was back then and the funny thing is not a damn thing happened to me in Iraq I didn't get shot at I didn't have to kill anybody it was me and a bunch of knuckleheads just trying to get through the deployment but I was still scared the whole time 10 years ago when we were there I operated off of anxiety and fear for most of it. And that kind of crystallized for me when I came home on mid-tour leave. And I just cried. It wasn't over anybody who died. It wasn't over things I had to do, I think. And this is something I didn't understand when I was 23. I think that crying was a release of anxiety and fear. 
because, you know, a goofy kid from the trailer park got sent to a war zone, right? It's terrifying. And so, fast forward 10 years later, the pandemic hits. And the impossible happens when the entire world shuts down. And for about five minutes, things looked very apocalyptic. And luckily, it wasn't the civilization-ending pandemic of our nightmares, right? It was just something that was going to make us all very miserable for a while. And me being a news junkie, boy, I just soaked in all that news and all that the sky is falling chicken little clickbaity stuff, right? I read a lot of that. I justified that by saying, oh, I need to be informed, I need to be prepared. I need to be able to prepare whatever happens. And to a certain extent, that's true. And then the riots came, and then some of the cities burned, and and luckily Indianapolis didn't see one one one-hundredth of what Minneapolis saw, what L.A. saw, what New York saw. But I still, I soaked in all that anxiety-inducing media under the guise that I needed to for preparation, right? Because about five minutes before the world shut down, uh, I got married. As a brand new husband, I had one frame of reference for a crisis, and it was deployment, right? And so I became, you know, I kind of put on my Sergeant Lester hat, right, as I used to call it. And I squeezed that hat on real tight because it felt familiar. It felt safe. It was a security blanket, a little piece of the old world. And then we had the election. And I don't like to get political with this platform. And much like everyone else, I soaked in a lot of anxiety-inducing media by people claiming theirs was the way, the truth, and the light, which it wasn't. With nine months of that, eight months of that, however long this has been going on, to cap it all off, right, I, I've been working from home since March with my day job. And so was my wife. And then they reopened the schools for a month. And I had all that anxiety and fear that I'd been running off of since March, much like I did in 2010. And then I started grinding my teeth. And, and that brings me to this week. Because, yes, they closed the schools again, and so she's home during the day more, and that makes things a lot better for me. But after about 30 straight days of grinding your teeth, well, you get to be the proud new owner of two new crowns after spending three hours in the dentist chair, with more on the way. So, the point of the story, gang, is my anxiety is having physical ramifications now, physical manifestations now. When you get there, right, that's when you know whatever you're doing isn't quite working. And so it's time to try something else. And with that in mind, I am going to find probably a head shrink that specializes in coping methods with anxiety. 
Because at first you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm a man. I can handle this on my own. Or I need to be resilient enough to handle this crisis by myself. And you do, you know. But also, it's okay if after the long haul of doing it, maybe you need to reach out to an expert and say, hey, man, uh, I could use a few new pointers here on how to get through the day-to-day sometimes. And that's okay. I think with men in our culture, there's a certain amount of premium placed on self-reliance, on doing it yourself, on being a man, right? And that's important because in times of crisis, you need to be able to protect yourself, your family, your community. But also... I think a part of protecting yourself, your family, and your community is understanding when you yourself may need a hand. And sometimes that's just someone else to talk to. And if me serving my family, myself, my community, means that I go on a Zoom chat with a nice therapist from the VA, then that's okay. And... And I hope that can be okay for you, too. Chapter 2 Let's talk about anxiety again. Original air date, 28 March, 2021. And since our last check-in, I have begun the process of a therapy which is nice it's like an over the phone thing where you know they call you twice a week and say hey how you doing and then you go oh these are the reasons i'm sad and they're like oh try to think about it this way and you're like all right <laughs> it's it's kind of nice actually it's a lot nicer than i thought it would be i wonder if it's a thing that you always deal with, right? Or at least you can, because really the situations that caused the anxiety last year, they're better. You know, I ended up getting five crowns, which I got to know my dentist very well over a six-week period. So that was nice. He seemed like a nice guy. But I know for me, the problems that were there last year basically boils down to feeling isolated, right? And it's nothing no one in my life has done. Everybody in my life has been great. You know, it's more like with the virus, with the way life is, for me, it feels like the best thing I can do is is nothing. Like the best thing I can do is not make the problem worse. Because sometimes the only thing you can do to help is not contribute to the suffering of others. You know, modern media, modern television, movies and stuff has the idea of the hero's journey so deeply implanted in us that we think, oh, there's a problem. I'm going to run out there and save the world. No, probably not, right? Let's let's be super realistic here. <laughs> but maybe you can stop the problem from getting worse. You can try to not actively contribute to making the problem worse for those who are actually saving the world, right? The doctors, the nurses, the the medics on site, that sort of thing, right? So that's what I've been doing. That's what I try to do, right? And I've got the first vaccine, so that's cool. 
and now that I have the first vaccine, I'm like, oh, maybe I can go out to dinner, <laughs> right? Like I just did that like the other night, <laughs> like <laughs> like that was a that was a new thing, and that was a hell of a thing. You know, it was me and my wife and another couple we know, and it was great. Once the the meal got there and we took our mask off and we're eating dinner and we're inside and I'm like, oh, well, gosh, this almost feels normal again. It feels like the way it used to again, right? That sort of longing we have for 2019 for everything we were complaining about. Good heavens. What spoiled fat children we were in 2019 that we didn't see the abundance that we were enjoying. (laughs) And that's what I try to strive to help bring us back to, I guess, right? Like, that's where my thought process is when I do stuff because... That's, in me, staying home helps that. But also, that contributes to feelings of isolation and anxiety. And sometimes, even now, when I consciously go out of my way to not consume sort of media that I used to, you know, the anxiety-provoking, panic-inducing, you know, political stuff. And a fun new thing of therapy, I've found, is that all the stuff that you spent years pushing down, right, and not thinking about, just so you can kind of get through whatever your current crisis was. It was just coming right back up. So when I think about all of the things that I spent a long time trying to forget, it's like I still fall back on that mental crutch of using politics to distract me from the real problem. And... You get all worked up and you pick a side and then you you start to think about all the points that the side that makes most sense to you has and then you start to like endorse those and like wrap those around those pre packaged talking point things around you like a blanket because the blanket feels like it gives you a sense of control, right? When going over old memories with a therapist just reminds you of the lack of control that was always there and so i think that's why a lot of people get gravitate toward politics these days because so many people feel like they're powerless right and if you pick a favorite sports team red or blue feels like it gives you a little sense of power maybe i don't know and i still find myself falling into that mindset and then like i noticed after a couple of therapy appointments I'm feeling isolated here at the house because my wife is working out in the world again, you know, and and my day job is home-based. And I'm feeling anxious over things brought up in therapy. And to mask that anxiety or to to give an outlet for that anxiety, which makes me have a sense of control of the situation, I put on that blanket that has my favorite sports team on it, and I just pick all their positions, and I'm like, ah, I'm all worked up. And then I'm making tomato soup, right? And then I'm just, like, screaming at soup, right? Soup didn't do anything. That doesn't make any sense. That's the ramblings of a madman. But I'm stirring the soup, screaming, they don't care about anyone but themselves. The soup did not respond. (laughs) Because apparently the soup was apathetic to my situation as well. And when you say it out loud, it sounds pretty ridiculous. That's true. And you could say that these are pretty ridiculous times we live in. But in response to that, I kind of realized, 
what you're doing isn't quite working, so you should probably tweak program just a hair. So I cut my long shaggy, or my wife actually cut my hair, which looks pretty good. And I went out to dinner with friends, and I had an old army buddy come over, and we went for a walk, and we reminisced and caught up. And that day, I felt almost like a spoiled fat child from 2019 again. And I hope we can all have days like that again real soon. And I get the new vaccine, or the second dose of the vaccine here in a couple days. I'm pretty excited about that. And then the long nightmare could be over. You know, we got a shot. I can't wait to get mine. Chapter 3 Let's talk about the vaccine. Original air date, 9 April 2021. Because today is another check-in. Not so much about anxiety, because that's kind of going really well. But then again, the world is starting to open up for us. Hopefully, for good this time. And... I just got the second vaccine shot about seven days ago. And, oh boy, number two is a doozy. Let me tell you, for me, there was a 12-hour period that was intense. But, you know, a day or two later, I was fine. And I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous standing in line at the VA. Given all of the general anxiety about the world over the last year, that was a 15-minute line, too. It's so give you plenty of time to think. And I remember the moment I heard about the vaccine's existence last November. I was working from home and I had the house to myself and I was listening to this finance YouTuber named Meet Kevin and he was so happy and he was, oh my God, there's a vaccine. I was like, what? <laughs> and I've watched it. And it was when they announced the Pfizer vaccine. And I remember laughing with joy and crying at the same time, alternating mostly, right? Like if anyone had saw me, they'd say, oh, he's a madman. Because it was months and months and months of anxiety and stress and fear. Kind of like, oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I imagine... It's maybe kind of like what VJ Day was after the Japanese surrendered during the war. I don't know. And then I thought, oh, we just have to hold out a few months longer, right? We just got to keep the faith a little bit more, you know. And then we all went through that winter where so many people got sick and so many of the hospitals hit capacity. And I didn't really have a... Christmas that year, it was just me and the wife, you know, we didn't go anywhere, we didn't do anything, we just kind of stayed home and tried not to add to the problem, and and then I kept hearing all these voices, wild internet conspiracy theories, right? I am not a virologist, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as medical advice, because this is purely for entertainment purposes only, and I kept hearing all these Voices say, ah, well, Bill Gates is designing 5G something, something, vaccine, something, something. And all of that seemed like a manifestation of people's fear and anxiety, right? 
all of those wild internet conspiracy theories about the vaccine. You know, it's people looking for a sense of control over a very chaotic time where none of us feel like we have any control or agency over what's going on in the world. And best case scenario, we just keep our heads down and don't get sick. And so I was lucky that when I was at the VA hospital, the 2nd of March, they announced that any veterans over the age of 18 have access to the vaccine. And I think that's because in the VA medical system is an infrastructure that's already in place so they can probably distribute the vaccine more easily and they don't have to recreate things whole cloth. And for me, I didn't really have anybody in my peer group, my immediate peer group that had gone through it yet. So I was kind of the first man through the door, as we used to say. And everybody around me seemed really nervous to get it. A lot of people seem really scared. And of course people are scared. I've been terrified for like 13 months now. Something like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who hasn't? But I've been around enough vaccine clinics to trust it. And I wasn't as terrified of this. And I knew that the vaccine was the only way that we get the world back. And this will sound old-fashioned, but... To me, as a man, it seemed like people needed an example of it being okay and someone that could tell the story and say, yeah, this is what happened, but three days later I was fine. And so I thought, oh, maybe I can be that for somebody. And hopefully people listening to this can hear it for what it is. Just a gentle voice saying, hey, it's okay. And if you're less hesitant, about the vaccines, that's great. But I would encourage you to promote your ideas with love and compassion and empathy. We're all on the same team. We're humans trying to survive a virus and understand that fear is driving so much right now. And the only thing that will cut through it is empathy. Chapter 4 Let's talk about anxiety for a third time. Because today we're going to talk about anxiety again and sort of the journey to mental health, I suppose. At the time of this recording, it's the 23rd of June, 2021, and it looks like the pandemic's winding down at this point. I say it looks like because, well, we've been hurt before. But we're vaccinated. Much of the country is, or they've had it. So the long nightmare seems to be ending. And the focus that the mission gave us is uh, going away, Right. Because like much like on deployment, when there is a overriding external pressure pushing down on everyone and people have to come together and focus as a team to overcome it, all the personality quirks and defects and miscommunications just kind of go to the wayside in service of the mission, right? 
And now that it looks like the mission's over and we're home, we got to figure out how to be human beings again. Which is something I didn't really think about, you know, mid-pandemic, I suppose. Because during the pandemic, I didn't know when the next shutdown would be. I didn't know when the next supply shortage, logistics shortage was going to be. And so, with all of that chaos and uncertainty in mind, I had to place such a premium on if we could get our hands on something, if we could do something, now is the time. We don't have time to wait. We have to do this now or it may never happen. And a fun thing I'm kind of adjusting to is the fact that, oh, you know, you could probably put it off for a week, whatever it is, right? Like, like oh, should we have the plumber come in this week or next week, right? We can do it next week because the world's not going to shut down next week, probably. Like, we can kind of bank on it. It feels like 2019 again. And when I forgot about 2019 was all the old problems we had back then, right? You know, some of the old stuff on national stage is kind of creeping back up, like the school shootings and things like that, and just the general sort of, like, violence and lack of health insurance that America, you know, has. And in my own life, I wasn't very good at planning things, right, before the shutdown, right, before 2020. You know, I just kind of let my wife plan stuff because she seemed to really enjoy it and she knew exactly what she liked and so I thought oh well I just kind of take something off my plate that's fine but that's a thing I can learn I can figure out how to plan I think that's something that the post-pandemic is kind of showing me probably the rest of us is that we don't have to go back to the people we were before right we can change we can figure out what wasn't working before and do it better. And when I say plan things, um, social events were not really my strong suit, right? Like planning them, finding them, looking for things to do, which is surprising because A, I love hearing myself talk, and B, if you, if you put me in like a social situation, I tend to excel, right? But I always wait for people to put me in those situations. Which probably isn't fair to the people I care about the most. And, well, not always wait for them, but often I kind of wait for other people to plan things, and then I just kind of piggyback off of that. Because I had these, like, remarkable trust issues, and I was like, why would you be your own people? People are scary. People will hurt you. Right. And it was like, oh, if, if someone else plan that I trust plans the social issues or social events... Then I'm like, oh, well, this is probably a safe place, right? And maybe it's because the, when I planned social I events with people, they didn't really go well. <laughs> and wow, I am just figuring that out right now as I'm saying this. I have no confidence in my ability to plan social events because when I did, I ended up hanging out with dirtbags. Huh. I guess that's the next thing I need to learn. I need to learn how to plan, to trust my own judgment enough to plan social events again and to go out and reach out to people and 
and figure out how to make friends again, I suppose. Because it's been a while. Once you can acknowledge that the monster under the bed is real, you begin to see just how much pain the monster is in. And tune in next week, Monday morning at 0700, where we explore the pain of the monster under the bed. <laughs>